Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Um, there is a lack of understanding of the cross, what it is, what it's not. How can we appropriate the cross? How do we obtain or walk in everything that Jesus died to give us? Um, there's a lot of people, in theory, they believe that Jesus died for their sins. I was talking to a brother recently, and um, I suspect he he um, committed adultery. Um, I'm sorry, I'll say adultery, but committed fornication. And he was having a hard time. Um, you know, he, he kept saying that God, he kept saying that God, um, that he that he was not worthy of God. He was not worthy of the forgiveness of God. And he just kept harping on that. You know that <clears throat> when we do that, I mean, let's just ask a question. How many have ever done that? That you made a mistake, you sinned, and you felt unworthy, and even to approach God about that thing. You know, we all, we're all in the same boat, right? <laughs> so when we do that, we actually are we're saying that the blood of Jesus is not enough. We, we want to make that feeling of unworthiness as if that pleases God. So the more we condemn ourselves over the sins that Jesus died for, we're, we're trying to make ourselves less than in order to somehow earn some kind of favor with God. If we can look at ourselves worse than we are, then maybe God will forgive us. So I told a brother, I said, um, I said, you know, that's what the blood of Jesus is for. <laughs> I mean, didn't Jesus die for the thing that you don't want to tell me that I kind of know by the spirit? Like, you know, and I'm not giving you a license to go out and do it again, but I'm just saying that you don't have to wallow in that. And I think sometimes we, when we mess up, we really, like, really make it bad. Like, we, we, we just feel bad. And it's like the competition, you know. The devil is an accuser of the brothers and sisters, and so he accuses us before God. And he says, you know, that, that, that ragged person, they, you know, they keep doing it. And we, we just need to run to God. I said this last week. Run to him. Run to him. Be with him. Receive what he's done. And I, I, I do think Christianity should be called the great receiving, it, 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 learning how to receive from God. I, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I think sometimes we condemn ourselves more than what we think God is doing. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, 
Well, let's stop there. First, he acknowledged Jesus as a man. Jesus is a man. Men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to by God with mighty works. So we see from the scripture that Jesus is a man. Part of being a Christian is to believe that he's God and he's man. He's not just God and he's not just a man. He's 100% God and 100% man. That's the Jesus that we believe in. Um, I, uh, First, John, First John is really significant to our belief system is because John is trying to convey to us that Jesus actually came in the flesh. There was a group of people, Gnostics, who actually believed that Jesus only appeared to be human, but wasn't human. And so that's, that's what they are, are really trying to confuse the church and trying to say that he only appeared to be a man, but he really wasn't. And these Gnostics really believed that, th- th- that there was nothing good as far as being a human. And they despised the humanity that God made us. They believed that sin was so damaging that it, it destroyed anything to be a human is to be very sinful in their minds. And we know the opposite. We know that we know that there's we have received the sinful nature from Adam, but it doesn't make being a human sinful. You, you, you understand? And so they wanted to separate Jesus from humanity. And this is why you we have verses in 1 John that says, Whosoever believes that Jesus has not come in the flesh is not of God. It is the spirit of Antichrist or the spirit of error. So part of being a Christian is to actually believe that Jesus came in human form, that he was actually a human. He became like us. He was one of us. And that's why he's the high priest who, who can identify with us in our infirmities, in our weaknesses. He knows what we feel like, what it feels like to be a human. And under the reign, if I can say that, of sin. Not that he sinned, but he became in order to receive, or in order to, for us to become born again, he had to become like one of us. All right, that said, Paul, Peter is up preaching, men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. So we see from Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, we see that Peter is proclaiming to them that God was with Jesus and that he was the man that he delivered us up from, that God, that it was through the hands of wicked men that God was able to accomplish salvation. 
So the, it's always been a big debate in history who killed Jesus, right? Was it the Jews? Was it the Gentiles? But I think we're missing the point. I, I, God, God used, if I could say this, the hands of wicked men to kill Jesus. And I'm going to say something that might shock your religious brains, um, religious minds, is that God used, God killed Jesus. It's God who killed Jesus. <laughs> Everybody got quiet. God killed Jesus. But he used the hands of wicked men to accomplish our salvation. It was necessary for Jesus to die. It was proclaimed and prophesied about the death of Jesus. It was necessary for Jesus to die the way that he did. It wasn't an afterthought. It was the plan of God from the eons of eons of times. He, him, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit got together and they made this plan to save humanity. So this wasn't an afterthought. They knew that Adam and Eve were going to mess up, mess up. And so they had already made provision for the salvation of humanity. So it is proper to say that God killed Jesus. Now, that, that means don't go, you know, how to, I mean, you go put on social media, you're going to call, it's going to cause some debate. And you're going to be like, Pastor, <laughs> give me scriptures. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 to 24. I don't have time to, to get in a lot of debates. I was accused years ago of starting a debate and not finishing it. I just put it out there and, and leave. Leave for a couple weeks and come back and see all the little debates. That is true. <laughs> um, so I, that doesn't, I mean, some people don't understand that, but it is, if we want to see the, the grand the bigger plan of God, God killed Jesus for us. Um, so this cross was necessary. It, 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 um, Christianity, and I said this last week, um, Christianity is all about the cross. Uh, we, we can look and we can see that it, it was a holy day that Jesus died for us. The cross is necessary, and unfortunately some believe that it, 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 it wasn't. Christianity is not about making a better version of ourselves. All right. I, I, I mean, I'm not, I think that there's some things that we can definitely learn from the self-help group, um, the self-help religion, <laughs> is that, okay, yeah, it's better. Get up at 5 a.m. You know what I'm saying? These are things that people do at 5 a.m. I mean, people have done, like, research, and, you know, and I'm not knocking those things. Those things are important. But I, th they, they have nothing to do with my salvation. Right, right. I mean, so we have to be careful of, of not adopting those things and making the Bible say something that it was never, never meant to say. Our Christianity is about Jesus dying for our sins, that we have a redeemer, we have a savior. We need to be saved. If we think that we're okay, then we won't ever look to him for salvation. I mean, why look for somebody? You don't go to, you don't ask for help if you don't need it. Right? You know, you, for, I'm not talking about people who are prideful and they, they know they need help and they don't ask. I'm talking about we need help. We need Jesus. We need the Christ. All right? We, we'll look at this. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. We're talking about the beauty of the cross. This is part two. The beauty of the cross. 
just something about it, if, if you just go and, and dive into it just a little bit and just start studying the cross and, and what it means to believers, it's a whole lot more. And I, I, there is a lack of teaching on it. And we do need to teach on it beyond just the Resurrection Sunday or Holy Week or you know, the month of April or March of the year. It needs to be preached all of the time. So Isaiah 53 verse 3 says this. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus was despised. He was not looked upon as a beautiful human being. He, he, people hated him. And especially on the cross, he was rejected by all humanity. Even his disciples left him. That's some type of rejection. How, how many people have ever been rejected? I've been rejected more times than you can say word. <laughs> um, rejection. So here, the Bible says in John chapter 1, that Jesus came to his own, and his own did not receive him. And so, not only these are people, the people who were prophesying about his return, or his coming, was prophesying about his death and resurrection, was waiting for the Messiah, and those people rejected him. The people that was supposed to recognize him the most was the very ones that rejected him at the beginning. And therefore, he went to those people who were able to receive. And it says that people hid their faces. He was despised and we didn't esteem him not. And then verse 4, surely he bore our sicknesses, our griefs, and carried our sorrows, our pains, and yet we esteemed him stricken. This is what we looked at. Smitten by God or attacked by God, as one translation says. Afflicted. Are you going to give him Isaiah 53? Jesus, how God killed Jesus. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. It was God using the, the acts of wicked men to bring salvation. It is necessary. When the cross disappears, true religion disappears. For there is no Christianity without the cross. There's no, no Christianity. And, we, and, and when... Religion becomes relationship when it becomes a reality in your life. The cross is necessary because it's fulfilling God's plan. Christ even wondered in his humanity, not in his deity, if the cross was necessary when he was in the garden praying. In Matthew chapter 26, let's go over there. Hold your place in Isaiah 53, Matthew 26. Let's look at verses 38 and 39. Matthew 26, verses 38 and 39 says this. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, and remain here. And watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In the Old Testament, specifically in Leviticus, the cup represented the wrath of God. So you, you, you see this 
imagery um, of, of a cup as part of God's wrath based on the Old Testament. So if we can say this, that the cup that Jesus was asking to be, you know, delivered from was the cup of his wrath, was the cup of his wrath. And so he says, if it's possible, is there any other way to accomplish salvation for humanity than this? Not just the cross itself, but what all of it that involves. It, he was going to become something evil. He was going to have the father turn his back on him. He was going to go to a place of, of, of torment and torture. He said, is it possible? Out of all the plan, the plan of God, can, is there a way to get me, is there a loophole? Is there a way to get me free from this assignment? And then he turns around and he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is our example, but above that, he's our substitute. The example is there are times when you and God are, in, are having a relationship and you're talking and God is calling you to do something that you in your flesh don't want to do. I think that Christians, some Christians believe that it's going to be always easy. You know, no one told me that the road would be easy. <laughs> uh, I think that we, we have a twisted understanding of what it really means to be a Christian. It means that you're, you're, you're in a war zone. You, it means that things are not always going to go your way. It means that people are not going to like you. It means that you got to come against the, the culture. <laughs> the, the, you know, what's happening, even with your kids and training your kids and preparing your kids for life, you have to protect them and you have to say, no, we don't do that and, and so forth. So I, I think that... It, we, he's our perfect example of how to yield to the will of God. If it's possible, I've prayed something, someone similar to that. Lord, if it's, is there another way? Do I have to do this? And the response from us should be, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Not what I desire, but what God desires. You know, even if, I remember one time I was pleading with a young man. He was, he got married real quick, and, of course, he didn't do the premarital counseling. And he was excited about marriage, and they had a couple kids, and he called me up, and he says, listen, uh, I'm going to leave my wife. And I pleaded with him. I says, for the sake of the gospel and for the glory of God and for the sake of your children, stay with the person. It wasn't like infidelity or anything like that, but it was just like, he, they, he just came to a place, and they only been married like about four or five years. Like, he just gave up. There's times you're going to feel like giving up. But it doesn't mean that you should give up. Just because you feel like it, right, it doesn't mean that you should yield to it. You feel like? You feel like? You, you walk by feelings now? You may not feel like love, but it doesn't mean that you don't love. You don't feel like giving things. That means that you don't feel like going to work. I bet you go to work because <laughs> you're going to get that paycheck, right? <laughs> like, feel like. If you go based on your feel like, you feel like staying in the bed, watching your favorite Netflix and Hulu and all the streaming service, HBO. You feel like, right? So we're not to walk by our feelings. And I'm not saying that our feelings are not real. Feelings are very real. But that doesn't mean that we are to live by them. 
Jesus says, nevertheless, I don't feel like going to this cross. I'm sure he was, like, trying to get out of it. He's, we see it. Like, look, is there another way? Like, yeah, I know you can raise me up from the dead, but I, I just I don't, don't want to do this. You know, I don't, I don't want to be in, in Passion of the Christ and, and the, the, great, the greatest story ever told in those movies. He was naked. He was exposed. It wasn't like the, the little thing that they have on, you know, Jesus. He was naked. He was, in, you know, the embarrassment of that. Everybody looking. Everybody d- despising him. The crown on his head. And, you know, the whippings on his back. And not just like a little whip, whip but it's like, you know, they, it's sort of like a nails at the end that was pulling his skin back. By whose stripes you are healed. <laughs> By his wounds you are healed. I mean, that, that, that's significant to us, right? And we see that there's so much what took place that we're not even scratching the surface is what all that we should be walking like. There, there's so many things that the Holy Spirit wants to apply to our lives of what Jesus accomplished. This cross was necessary. The, every drip of blood, it wasn't in vain, I mean, every time you damn someone with your words, that blood is applied for that. It's available for that. Every, every, every bad thought and sinful thought and, and ungodly motive and, and, and ungodly behavior is ready. The blood of Jesus is, is, is available to be applied to that sins. It, the, the blood of Jesus doesn't cover our sins. It washes our sins away. As it, think about the dirt. Oh, I, I start washing a lot of more clothes than usual just to help my wife out. And I'm washing clothes, and I'm like, this is an amazing machine. <laughs> it, it gets away, like, the funk and, 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 and all the other stuff I, I won't mention. <laughs> you know, it, it, it washes away the dirt, and, and, and you, do, you get the right um, detergent. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, not the cheap kind, but the, the kind that, that, that's going to bring some life to your clothes and, 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 and going to make your clothes look like it's brand new. Um, th- that's, that's, think about that and the blood of Jesus a whole lot more. That that blood, it, it, it doesn't just covers your sins, because if you cover it, you can uncover it. It, it, it. it washes away as if you never did it. And, and I like to say this even at weddings. Um, we stand before God like Adam and Eve did prior to the fall. (laughs) They knew no sin. (laughs) And so he who knew no sin became sin, that we may become righteous, a right standing with God. Amen. Amen. Go back to Isaiah 53. The beauty of the cross. This this cross is beautiful. This cross, it it, it is our deliverance. This, This which represents the cross of Jesus everything about it, 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 it we, we don't praise the cross, the sign. <laughs> we praise the one who was on it. But he's no longer on it because I went through a graveyard the other day and, and they, they had a, a symbol of Jesus on the cross, but he's no longer on there. And so don't go around wearing crosses with Jesus, an uh, image of Jesus on it. Cause he, he, he died and got up. <laughs> he, 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 what was, and even, like, you think about, I, I used to have this crazy idea 
because of, of these scary shows where exorcism, where if I get the cross, you know, and, and some of them, they would like put the cross on the person's head. I'm like, man, that's powerful. I'm like, mom, give me a cross. <laughs> and I would practice this on my little dogs and like, and nothing would happen. <laughs> but I was like, come out. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, sometimes I do it to myself. It was just nothing, it was just food. There's no, the power of the cross is in the blood. <laughs> the life, our life is what? In the blood, right? Uh, if, if we take the blood away, we won't be living. And so life of the cross, the, that which is beneficial for our walk with God and our salvation is in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 53, let's continue. Um, surely, verse 4, surely he, had, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He, he was a man acquainted with grief, acquainted with sorrows. He, he, he knows what it, feels, what it feels like to be depressed. If anybody could be depressed, it's surely going to the cross was a depression. I imagine in that garden, that spirit of depression came upon him, you know, at some point where, man, I'm about to die. Like, I'm about to take on the sins of the entire world, people that love me and people who don't love me. And it goes on and says, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. The new, um, I think it's the N-E-T, says we esteemed him as being attacked by God. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. It doesn't, this is a revelation to me, but it's not like some deep revelation, but it's deep. And yet it's simple. He didn't die for himself. He died for us. And upon him, oh, he was crushed for what? Our iniquities. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement or the punishment that brought us peace. He suffered. He died and he suffered. We believe that Jesus actually suffered for us. That both physically and spiritually, he suffered. He, he took upon anything that we do that displeases God. The consequences of disobedience. Everything was placed upon him. He became sin that we may become righteous. He became sick that we may be healed. He became poor that we may be rich. He went to hell so they would go to heaven. Great debate. Uh, I don't know if he went to hell. Okay, what, he, what, what was he doing three days, right? Um, I, there's a whole lot of different Apostle Creed. We used to say it back in the day when we first um, became pastor. We used to say the Apostle Creed. And part of it was that he died and went to hell. Some people are trying to take that away now. <laughs> He's no scriptures, but it, it's neither here nor there. Um, I think the bottom line is that he, he suffered for us. I think that's the point. I, I don't think we should get caught up in, well, what color was the blood? Was it, was it you know, was it clear red or was it purple? I mean, I think sometimes people get caught up in details, right? Um, Sometimes God is in the details, and other times the devil's in the details. <laughs> but, but, but I, I, and I'm not saying that those things are not important, but I think we need to see the greater scheme of things, right? Um, he, the chastisement 
that brought us peace. It, it, and we talked about peace years ago about there's three types of peace. Peace with God, peace from God, and peace of God. And the greatest peace is the peace with God. At one point, we were enemies of God. God had some type of beef with us because of our sin. Not some kind, but real beef. Uh, and Jesus is our peace. He is, it's through him that we have peace with God. That's Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible, along with John 3, 16, 13, 17, <laughs> is that we have peace. All of it is great. Right? <laughs> uh, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. I mean, you can go to bed because we have peace with God. Romans 5, let's go over there. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5. Are you getting anything out of this? Man, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified, the word justified is it's a big word. It's something that we need to think about. It's something that we need to meditate on. Justified, justified. We just as if we haven't sinned. Justified. He justified us. There is the justification, sanctification, and glorification. And we, in order to be sanctified, you got to be justified. He declared us just before himself. Just as if we haven't sinned, that which Jesus, that which Jesus accomplished, that sinless life was applied to us. <laughs> All right, let me give you, you, some of you have heard this story or heard this illustration. Driving. Laws have changed. I don't know how. How? This, I should have looked this up. We're driving. I'm picking you up, but I killed somebody before I picked you up. Got the body in the trunk. I pick you up, right? But you don't know about the the, the body in the back and what I just did. If I get pulled over, not only am I guilty, but who else? Whoever's in the car. We are, we're guilty by, you know, association, right? And we're also guilty by what we've done. So Adam disobeyed God, and we all became guilty. We're all guilty because of Adam. But when we got born again, we switched drivers. And now the perfect life that Jesus lived is applied to our lives. That's why in Romans 5, he says his life saved our life. You know, it's because of his perfect life we're able to approach God. <laughs> I mean, the blood was only, the, that. okay, so the cross is rooted in the blood, but the blood is rooted in the life of Jesus. And the life is rooted in the, blood, in the virgin birth of Jesus. So he had to be born a virgin. He couldn't, his blood was not to be tainted by sin. So he had to come another way into the earth. And then he had to live a perfect life. The only reason why Jesus accepted, the Father accepted his death is because of his perfect life. And the approval of his death was the resurrection. God approved of Jesus' death being the satisfaction of the, of, for the wrath of God 
by raising him up from the dead. Then not only did he raise him from the dead, he ascended upon high, and they turned around and gave him the highest position in the world outside of being on the throne. It's at his right hand. Jesus is at the right hand. And then he, he gave a promise. How many know we got a promise from God? Every Christian has a promise from God. And the promise is the Spirit coming as a seal, as a deposit, as layaway that there's a glorification coming. This is what the Christian life is about. And it looks different in different cultures, but the overall is that we all were sinners and, now, and we got saved. We, all were, we were all lost, but now we're found. It's amazing how people say, I found the Lord. No, he found you. Because he wasn't lost. <laughs> he made us alive. We were dead in our transgressions and sins, and he made us alive through the resurrection of Christ. And so going to Romans 5, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified, just as if we haven't sinned, by faith we have peace with God through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is through Christ we have peace. No longer is there any kind of strife and beef with God. Now I can go to God. So when you sin, which you will, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead Jesus. My case is Jesus. I, I, I appropriate Jesus, the person and the work of Christ. I receive the forgiveness that is in him. Glory to God. He forgives us and separates us from our sins and cleanses us and makes us if we never sin. And see, being born again is not being a better version of you. It's creating something that's never existed before, a brand new creation, which is a taste of the brand new world that's to come. Are you getting anything out of this? So we're born again. We're born from up above. We have a new nature. Even in our flesh, we, we have the sinful nature at war, but we, in our spirit, we are brand new creation. We receive, as some will say, the DNA of God. Let's go back to Isaiah 53. I'm almost finished. Isaiah 53. We're talking about the beauty of the cross and what the cross did for us. Glory to God. I, 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 I believe if we understand what Jesus actually did, it will literally set us free to dance for the rest of eternity over that. David says, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. I don't think we're excited enough over our salvation. I've seen people excited over their favorite teams, right? And they're shouting. They will fight you over their favorite teams. <laughs> they will cuss and do everything. They burp and pass gas, pee on themselves, everything, all over their favorite team. I can't leave because I don't know what's going to happen. And they got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Some of y'all don't, don't want us to expose you. <laughs> How much more? How much more? Something greater. He saved us. He delivered us. He, he made us as if we never sinned. He, he, we, we are adopted into the family of God. We're part of the, the great host of believers. And forever we're going to be with him. <laughs> You know, it's nice to come to church to learn about, you know, great things, how to master things in the world. But it's even greater to learn about heaven. Learn about 
living for him, um, living out the plan of God, learning how to tap into the things of God and, and, and appropriate everything that he accomplished. Amen. Almost finished. Isaiah 53. Let's go to verse 5. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All, all we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him. Who laid on him? The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And yet he opened out his mouth. He, he, he was silent in order for us to be able to speak. Like a lamb that is, led, that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before is shears is silent, so he opened out his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence, and there was no deceit in his mouth. And I want you to read this verse 10 with me. And yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him, and he has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days, and the will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It pleased the Lord to crush the Lord. It pleased the Lord to kill the Lord. Thank you, Lord. He died for us. Amen. The cross was the most evil deed ever committed on the planet Earth. God's own perfect sinless son was put to death by wicked men. And at the same time, the crucifixion of Jesus was the best thing that ever happened to this planet. Blood was shed to restore humanity back in fellowship. Christ died for us. He died in our place. He was our substitute. The cross has brought salvation to the world. If God brought the greatest good out of the greatest evil, then he can bring out good out of whatever seems to be evil in your life right now. He brought the greatest good out of the greatest evil. It is all part of the plan of God. The cross was necessary because it was designed by the Father to pay for our sins. The Father designed this way. He could have, there are several ways I, that the Lord could have paid for our sins, but he chose this way, the crucifixion. Sin is a problem because God is holy. The peace of the cross, the power of the cross, the triumph of the cross, the humility of the cross, the boast of the cross. As, as you read the epistles from Romans to Revelation, you see these themes Throughout, the peace of the cross, the power of the cross, the triumphant of the cross. Philippians 2, the humility of the cross. And Galatians, the boast of the cross. Let me leave you with these thoughts. Jesus died to become a ransom for many. Not, not everyone was ransomed from the wrath of God, but the offer is for everyone. Christ gave himself up as an offering to God. Last scripture, um, Ephesians chapter 5. Well, actually, I lied. It's going to be two scriptures. Ephesians chapter 5. 
And let's look at verse 2. Verse 1, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. What's the next part? And gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Jesus gave himself up for us. That's powerful, right? He gave himself up for us. And the last one is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It calls Jesus' life to provide the forgiveness of sins for you and I. So don't wallow in your sin, but run to God through the Christ. Say, Lord, I, I come to you in Jesus' name. And deal with me according to the righteousness of Jesus. Amen. Don't deal with me according to my righteousness, but deal with me according to his righteousness. Lord, I, 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 I throw myself, I like to say this, <laughs> I throw myself on the mercies of God. I throw myself on the person and the work of Jesus. God, I, we, we can't be saved without him. We need him. How many know we need to hear that often? All the time, right? Because it's so easy to get caught up and, and, and work on yourself and work on your habits and work on your money and work on your marriage and work on your parenting and work on your schooling and, and, and careers. But above all, get an understanding of what Jesus did for you so you can appropriate it, become proficient in faith as, as far as receiving what God has done. So when you mess up, which you will, Ask God to clean you up quickly. Lord, I, I confess I've sinned. If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to what? Forgive us from for all our sins and to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he purges us from the um, sin consciousness. We need to become righteous conscience. We, we're so sinful, sin conscience. You know, we mess up, and, and, and we, it's, that stuff wallows, and we just stay in it, and we cry. Ah! And, and, and I'm not saying that there's a, there's a godly sorrow, but when godly sorrow, it's going to produce life. But, but, but being sin conscience will produce death in your body. You get so weary and, oh, you know, oh, I really messed up. <laughs> Truly, God. And anything bad that happens to you is God must be punished me for my sins. You think that your that that his, your him punishing you can can cover and wash away your sins? He, he punished Jesus, and that punishment is enough for a lifetime, and even unto eternity. That blood guarantees our our place in the kingdom. Glory to God that He was punished for us. So appropriate the, that punishment. Receive what Jesus did. Your big brother, he's calling Hebrews. He's your elder. I used to get mad when I hear preachers, preachers talk about that. I'm like, he's not my big brother. He's my Lord and my Savior. He's, he's, he's God. Yes. But the role that he decided to take on is our elder brother. I, I'm still kind of upset about that because <laughs> I'm like, well, you can have a big brother, but, you know, he's a big brother. But you say, God, that's a whole nother level. He's God and our elder brother. <laughs> Amen. It says that we are, Romans 8 says we are heirs of God and what? Joint heirs with Christ. <laughs> Amen. Um, not only, see, angels, we have a place with God that angels 
if I can say this, maybe are jealous. Why? Um, angels are around his throne, and they're declaring his holiness. But guess what? We're seated at his right hand. Ephesians 1. We have been seated together in heavenly places in Christ. <laughs> That's what our position is. We're with him at his right hand. To be somebody's right hand, that's significant. That's a place of power. And it says that all things are under his feet. And in other words, they're under our feet. We're his body. Amen. And so that's what the blood and, and the, the life of Jesus did for us. It, it, it cleansed us. It saved us from the wrath. But not only did it save us, but it saved us to something. You might have had a jacked up family biologically, but he united you to another family. Amen? He connected you with a brand new family with a lot of flaws, but that's part of your, you know. Amen. We got brothers and sisters. God doesn't have God, grandchildren. <laughs> there no grand, God has no grandchildren. We are all his children in Christ. Let me clarify that. <laughs> Don't be like, oh, you're a child of God. No, 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 you can't say that. You're not a child of God. You got to come through Jesus. You know, we are all God's children in Christ. Amen. And because we're in him, we need to walk in him and marinate on what our big brother did for us. Powerful. I mean, he's not, you might have a bad big brother, but this is the perfect big brother. You might have had a bad father or somewhat good father, but he's the good heavenly father. And every good and perfect gift comes from the father above. He, father, pata, means um, we receive our identity. He's our source. Our father, our source. That's what we're talking about. We, where we receive our identity, our father. And he calls us children. Now behold, 1 John chapter 3. Now behold, it does not, we don't understand what manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. We are called the children of God. We're not just servants. We are children who decide to, to serve. You know, we, we make ourselves slaves to God, but we are first and foremost sons of God, sons and daughters in the Son. Come on. Amen. Amen. And so don't allow um, sin, to wallow in sin when you mess up. Be quick to repent and ask God to forgive you because that blood is available. It's alive. It's not just blood that goes to the ground, that went to the ground, but it's blood that is available. Um, that blood that go, flows through Emmanuel's blood veins, it is available to be appropriate to our lives. We overcome. By the what? Blood of what? The lamb and the word of our testimony. What is our testimony? The blood has set us free. It's not just a regular testimony. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was a drug dealer. He saved me. You know, and I, I was a thief and a, I was a whoremonger. He said, no, that's not, the real testimony is the blood. It's what the blood did. I mean, those are external expression. But let the Redeemer of the Lord say so. What are we saying? We're saying what the blood did for us. The blood cleansed us. The blood sanctified us. The blood made us right before God. The blood is, a, is available to all who calls upon him. The blood, the blood of Jesus has been applied to our lives. We're no longer a sinner, but we're a saint. That blood took us from sinner's status to saint status. 
<laughs> Amen. I know people like to wallow in the fact that we all sinners. No, 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 no. So sinners got to sin nature, but I got his nature. I got his life. Amen. I got his nature and his life working in me. And so I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. Some people say you're a sinner saved by grace. Either you're a sinner or you're saved by grace. I'm saved by grace. Amen. When he sees me, he sees the blood. Amen. Amen. Let's just stop there. Let's give God some praise and honor. Amen. Father, we thank you and we worship you. Let's praise God for the blood of Jesus, the beauty of the cross. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you, God. We honor you this day. We thank you, Father, for the precious blood of Jesus. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.